Well, we have a number of scriptures that, uh, for today, and they asked me what version, and I said the NIV, and I think some of them are in the NIV and some of them aren't, so uh, they have them up there today. But today we are looking at honoring God and honoring His Word in our life. And um, again, paying honor is to uh, have tribute to, you know, we, we, we honored 9-11. Uh, we were taking time to remember, take time to emphasize what, was, what had happened uh, nine years ago. And it was, it's important for us to give honor to whom honor is due. And especially as we honor God, we are giving time for his word. And, you know, and it's, it's so important that we recognize the benefits of what the scripture means to us. That there are, there are so many, and, you know, there are people, we always, you know, I was talking to an individual um, Wednesday. Yeah, I think Wednesday it was. That he was, he was telling me, well, what about this and what about that and what about this? He said, I would love to believe, but, you know, I just can't. And I... And I, I and this individual has been married, has, is married, he and his wife have married over 60 years. And, and I said to him, I said, can you explain to someone what it's like to be married 60 years who's never been married? <laughs> and he says, well, no. And I said, well, it's your relationship that brought you into the marriage, and it's your relationship that kept you. And the idea is that, you know, there are many questions people have about marriage, that you really can't find out until you're married, you know? And one of the ideas also is that you don't know, we can't find out what God is about until we have that relationship with Him. And whenever we have that relationship with God, it has a way of taking what goes on in our life and giving us a whole different perspective. And, you know, one of the, one of the great books of this is, of course, the book of Job. And as you read the book of Job, and, and what's so amazing about this is that Job doesn't have any scripture text to go fall back on. Job doesn't have any, any biblical people standing around him, and, you know, like Peter and James and, and, and um, Isaiah or Jeremiah or Moses. Or he doesn't have any of those individuals. He has only his relationship with God to fall back on. And whenever, whenever all this tragedy strikes his life, he has some friends that show up. I'm not preaching on Job today, but you know, it sets this up. That when Job, um, his friends show up and he, they have all these answers. And Job is listening to their answers. And Job is looking at what they are saying. And he's looking at what he knows of God, the character of God. And then he kind of looks at what's going on in his life and saying, you know, guys, you're trying to be helpful, but that's not the God that I know. Now, I don't know why I got all these problems, but what you're telling me isn't true because I know the character of God. And when in Job's character, and knowing the character of God is what kept him in this, this whole book of Job. And at the end of the book of Job, God, he see, Job sees God. God doesn't explain. He just sees God, and he knows everything's okay. And this is where we are at in our life. As we hear the word of God, and we sing the praises of God, and as we read the scriptures, it's, it's developing that filter, as we were talking about. It's developing that insight, and that understanding, and that knowing that 
God, I don't like the way things are, but yet I trust you. And yet, you know, um, we have this understanding that God is with us. And we have that understanding of God is with us, and as we have that understanding of the character of God, it is all based upon a relational experience. If, you don't ha- if we don't have a relationship, we can't have an understanding. Okay? You know, it's like trying to figure other people out. <laughs> you, know that, you know how that works. Uh, <laughs> you can't figure people out. You, you know, it's, it's just like what makes them tick? And it's not until, and we don't want to have a relationship with some people, you know, we just kind of, sometimes we just have to keep some individuals and their philosophies at arm's length because it's just nuts. But the idea is that whenever we establish this relationship with God, we have this, that we have this understanding of what the scriptures mean to us. So in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5, 6, and 7, it says, what does it say? We'll read this version. <laughs> What's it say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Now, and there's another one, verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. So whenever we look at this, uh, this relational experience with God, it is telling us that we are to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, how can we trust in someone that we don't have a relationship with? There are some individuals, (laughs) the scam artists, will come up to you and say, believe me. (laughs) You know, they have these advertisements on TV about buying cars or so on, and the guy, you know, it's it's the car fox, asking you to get the car facts. <laughs> you see that one? All right, so what is he saying? You can't trust everyone. We got this super deal. Gets asked for the car facts, you know? Ask for the facts about that automobile before you buy it. Why? Because you can't always just trust what somebody says. Well, the same token is with the scriptures, that we are to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and we are to trust God, and we are to trust his word. And sometimes the way we understand it and the way we interpret it, we can't figure it out. But we want to have God's word in our heart, that we have to trust him, we trust in God, that there is a divine providence and there is a divine will that God has for us. In our own understanding, we would, we would look at it and say, well, I can't figure this out. And we interpret on how we see and how we understand. And those are good things, but yet the trust factor is in God then all your ways acknowledge him. It is that we are praying that God would have his way with with our life and what we are doing and where we are going and with the decisions we make because we want God's direction. And be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So there is this human understanding, this human perspective that we need to be aware of. So there's a trust factor There's a relationship factor in our relationship with God. And there is a wisdom that comes from God that is different than human wisdom. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. Who wants to be my reader? Everybody, don't call on me. All right, I won't call on you. 
Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Okay, next. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God has... Is there another one? No, it's just nine. Okay. All right. Uh, Yeah, seven, eight, eight, and nine. So... For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are, my way, and neither are your ways my ways. So when God is telling us that, that we are to trust him, he's telling us that there is something more to our life than what we figure out. And, you know, we are to plan, and we are, you know, the, the old adage, failure to plan is planning to fail. You know, and that's, that's, that's a good quote that we are to look at in our life, that we are to make plans. But... God has a way, God has a purpose, and as we look at God's purpose, we are seeing that he has a purpose that is greater than what we can imagine. And his purpose for what in our our life and for, you know, we can't imagine. Okay? Now, imagine this. What? what Where did your mind go? Imagine this. Went blank. Yeah. Why did it go blank? Imagine this. Why did it go blank? Because we have to have something to imagine. I mean, it sounds foolish. Imagine a big building. Imagine a pink elephant. (laughs) Okay, what would you think of? Pink elephant. Don't think of a pink elephant. (laughs) You just did. The idea, the, 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 what he's, What's pointing out here is that we often need something as a stimulus that gives us an imagine, imagination. Creativity is creating something that, you know, when God created the universe, he spoke it into existence. He created something out of nothing. So he didn't need an instructor's manual, and so God was able to, his wisdom was able to create all of this because of, of his creativity in our lives our creativity is based upon what we've learned and how we've, how we've looked at things. You know, uh, we were at um, Chili's having lunch one time. I think it was last week. And they have this coloring contest, you know, and this coloring contest of the, of what is that? What is the coloring contest of? A hot, of a chili pepper, chili pepper. And they have all these, you know, chili peppers up there. And there was one up there of Abraham Lincoln. And it was quite good. I thought, wow, you know, that's it. now that is creative. Now with that creativity, I can create something. <laughs> but no one else, not, and, and all the pictures and all the coloring things, you know, it's like stay between the lines, you know, and color correctly, you know. And that, you know, that's me. If I was going to do something, I would color it correctly inside the lines, and I would make the most beautiful chili pepper ever. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> But I would never think of putting a hat on it, putting eyes on it, putting a beard on it, and making Abraham Lincoln. You know, it's like, whoa, now that's a creative person. Right? Thank you very much. Imagine that. (laughs) But guess what? My thoughts, God's thoughts, and his ways, we can't even imagine what God has for us. So, It's like, 
as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than the earth. So as high as the heavens are above the earth, God has a way of looking at life and looking at us in a perspective that is so much greater, we can't even begin to imagine what he has for us. And so when we start talking about potential, when we start talking about what God has created and put inside of us, it's more than we could ever imagine. And it is so much greater than what our concept of life is and his, and his idea of what it can be. So when we use the filter of God's word, when we use the filter of God's word, we are filtering out the impurities that stimulate the anger and the, the frustration, the envies and the lies and the, and the bitterness and, and the jealousies and all that. We're filtering all that out. What does that do? It gives us the ability to see things more clearly. The potential that is inside of us. <laughs> eh, potential. I ain't got enough potential. <laughs> Sometimes we doubt our potential. You know, you don't know me like I know you. <laughs> Didn't sound right, did it? You don't know me like I know me. There we go. Well, guess what? God does. God knows you even better than you know yourself. And as we use the word of God to filter out those impurities about the doubts, what would it be like if you didn't doubt who you were? Doubt your abilities. Doubt what you could do, could become. What if there were no such thing as doubt when it came to you and your your desires, what would you do? You know, when I, I go back to, you know, again, to my experiences, you know, with, with my, my our son, David. Um, when David was in high school, he was a, a ski racer. And he would race, you know, he did the downhill at Lake Placid, and at, um, he did the downhill at someplace in Vermont, Atitash, Vermont, and the average speed was between, the top speed was 85 miles an hour, and they did, they got him on the radar gun at 85 miles an hour, somewhere in there. Now, I doubt I could stay up on skis at 85 miles an hour, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't do that. <laughs> I doubt my abilities. Now, maybe whenever I was 18, I might have tried it, and I know I did, and I ended up over, I remember whenever we were Blue Knob, I still remember trying to make a turn, and there were, they, had this, they had this fence there, like the snow fence, I still remember trying to make the turn and not making it, hitting the snow fence, going up over and into the woods. I still remember that for some reason, you know, uh, and I was not going 85 miles an hour, uh, I was probably going about 10, and uh, I couldn't make the turn. Well, you know, there is a certain amount of confidence that, that you just look at, but you know, the confidence came from training, and the confidence came from, you know, having the right equipment, and having the training, and the skills, and, and being able to, you know, put those things in your mind to be able to do them, and to work them through. It didn't just stand at the top of the hill and end up at 85 miles an hour. The person who does that generally doesn't finish <laughs> the race. Um, by the way, if you go skiing with someone, never go with a friend. 
because they'll take you to the top of the hill and they'll say, this is how you do it. <laughs> and you end up being never down the hill. But you can be like the, the, the and this is a true blonde story, okay? So you, those of you who are blonde, please forgive me. Um, but anyhow, there is Rachel's friend was riding up with her on the ski lift up to the up up the hill, and she's just she's a blonde, you know. And, and she looks at Rachel and says, "Why are those other chairs coming back empty?" <laughs> True story. Okay, uh, the filtering out effect. <laughs> The filtering out effect, okay? What is the filtering out effect? The filtering out effect of God's word on our life helps us filter out those really, you know, and you look sometimes at your life and you wonder, why are those chairs coming back empty? (laughs) You know, it's a ski lift. They take you to the top of the hill, drop you off. For those of you who didn't get it. Okay, they take you to the top of the hill, they drop you off, and you don't ride back down, okay? Yeah, so... But you wonder about your life sometimes. How many times in your life are we sitting there thinking, I wonder why the chairs are coming back empty. (laughs) And we just don't get it. And we go to the whole way to the top and we're wondering, God, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. For the heavens are higher than the earth and my way is higher than your ways. Sometimes we just don't get it. Isaiah that God's thoughts are higher than man's thoughts, and that is why we must ask for the mind of Christ. God, I just don't get it. But what is it, Lord? In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. God, help me to understand. Help me to get it. And 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. We have that one, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. There we go. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So we live in this place, but our way of doing conflict, because we're always in conflict, we're, we, the ways that we, well, we'll read on. For we live in this world, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. There is a spiritual conflict that goes on in our world and even in every one of our lives. It's a spiritual conflict. And the spiritual conflict is between right and wrong, good and evil, devil and God. You know, there's a conflict that's going on. We are the deciding factor. God can't make you think certain thoughts. Evil cannot make you think certain thoughts. We decide where we're going to go with our thoughts and with our actions. We can be tempted, we can be tried, but we have the deciding factor. You're driving the vehicle. You're driving the vehicle of your life, and, you know, um, one of Rhonda's friends in college, I don't know why I'm thinking of all these things, but I'll blame God because they just came to me, so it's his fault. We, yeah, just had to bump. All right, um, I, don't, I won't blame God. If they're really good, they're God. If it doesn't work, it's me, okay? All right. So my, Rhonda's friend, uh, she's a school teacher now. Imagine this lady is your school teacher going to college. Uh, she, there was this Corvette parked in front of uh, the dormitory, 
and, and Joanne, Joanne, which is a really neat girl, Joanne would go out and she, would, she got in the passenger side and sat down and she said, I don't know whose it is, but he's taking me for a ride. <laughs> that was just Joanne. Joanne was the, you know, this wild and crazy person. And uh, that was just her nature. So she sat in the car and waited for whoever owned the car. She says, you're taking me for a ride. And sure enough, Joanne went for a ride. But <laughs> that was Joanne. He didn't know Joanne. And she was just that way. She would, you know, she got in, it was a convertible, Corvette convertible, sat in front of the dorm, sat there, she sat down, she says, I don't know whose it is, but they're taking me for a ride. Now, can you imagine that she's driving down the road and said, you know, you're taking me where I don't want to go. (laughs) But you see, she already got in the car as a passenger, and the person who was driving happened to be a a good, credible person, and just took her for a ride and brought her back and dropped her off. But can you imagine getting in a vehicle with someone and they're taking you down a road you don't want to go. You see, that's what happens when you become a passenger. (laughs) And you allow your life to be run by someone else. We are responsible for our thoughts so we can't blame God and we can't blame the devil because we're not the passenger, we're the driver. And we are going to take this vehicle wherever this life, we're going to take it because we're driving. And God is giving us instruction. That's where we're talking about the filter of God's word. The filter of God's word helps us to filter out the impurities so that we can understand that God has a purpose. God has a purpose for our life, so we're asking God for driving directions. And that we are asking him for forgiveness so that we have the right thoughts and the right perspective of life. God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my failures because we have to have a right relationship with God and it's based upon forgiveness. It's based upon forgiveness from a divine perspective and from a personal perspective. God, I must have a right relationship with you and I have to have a right relationship with myself if I'm ever going to understand that your thoughts are not my thoughts and your ways are not my ways and that I have to acknowledge you in everything, that I am asking for divine help in this whole thing, because I want to understand the character of God, so that when all this stuff comes at me, I can be like Job and say, I know that's what you people think, but I know the character of God, and the character of God is not what you're telling me, and I'll sit in my suffering with the character of God that I understand before I'll believe what you're trying to tell me. That's where we begin to filter out from a divine perspective. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. They're spiritual. God has given us the ability to to approach life from a spiritual perspective. Next. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. If you don't know what the knowledge of God is, how can, we do, how can we come against what is not of his knowledge, what is not of his will and of his word? This word is the filter of our life. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. This is the eternal, the word made flesh and dwelt among us is Jesus Christ. And the living word of God is alive and active inside of us and inside of our thinking and inside of our perspective. And it is this living, active word that causes us to see things more clearly, to understand things, 
to trust when we don't know what to trust or how to trust, to believe when we don't have an idea of what do we believe because the Bible is the final authority. Some have said that, well, Christianity is narrow-minded because it says there's only one way. Well, Jesus Christ is the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Jesus said that. So if we've got an issue with Christianity, we have an issue with Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, yesterday there was um, about this preacher who was going to burn the Koran. And I don't agree that he should have done that. But the reason that in the Islam and the other countries, uh, Islamic countries, the reason they don't burn the Bible is because they would be killed for having one. <laughs> They're not allowed to have another influence in their life. It is illegal for them to have a Bible. Let alone try and burn one. They would have to come to the U.S. to find freedom of choice so that they could burn the scriptures. They don't have freedom of choice. They can't burn a Bible because they don't have one in their country. And if they have one, they would be arrested for having it. You know, there is a great... The, the church is being persecuted more than it's ever been in the entire history. We don't know about it. The Christians in those countries have to serve God and be a believer underground, behind closed doors. Because if they come out and declare their faith, they're killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. See, we walk in the flesh, but we do not war against the flesh. It's not a human reasoning Resist, you know, casting down, verse 5 says, casting down, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought, bringing into captivity every thought in obedience to Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience. The idea is there is a submission to God, it's an attitude of the heart shown by obedience to His word. And resistance means to refuse to cooperate with evil thoughts, with wrong desires. And if we don't know what the Word of God is, if we don't know what the Scriptures say, how can we resist and how can we turn away from it? So the challenge is for us to be able to understand that God is in charge and God is working in our life and He's doing it in a way that sometimes we just don't get it. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20 and 21, but if you're treated badly for good behavior and continue in spite of it to, do, to be a good servant, that is what counts with God. God wants us to look at our life and do the right things for the right reasons. No matter what the consequences are, we are looking at how God is going to work in our life. That is the kind of life you've been to, uh, called to, to, to live. The scripture says that all authority is God, but does not say all authority is godly. 
So as we look at how we are responding to our life and looking at how that God is working through us, we find that there is a response. Now, I have in here that there are crooks and quacks and liars and thieves that we do not need to listen to. You like that? Crooks and quacks, liars and thieves. I try saying that very quickly. Crooks and quacks, liars and thieves. But uh, <laughs> there are crooks and quacks and liars and thieves. Okay? There are people out there that don't have your best interest at heart. We don't need to listen to them. We don't need to listen to their, <laughs> to their teachings or their whatever it is that they throw out there. <laughs> but you know what? There is a way that we can look at our lives and, and follow a godly example. And one of those illustrations is with David and King Saul. That Saul, King Saul liked David and used David as long as it was to his advantage. But when David became, was, was perceived by Saul to be a threat, he wanted to kill him. So we have Saul, who is king, and David, who is under his authority. And David, for 14 years, I didn't realize it was 14 years. David, for 14 years, hid in caves and looked out for his life and wrote many of the Psalms that we have. And while he was fleeing from Saul... He had occasion to terminate Saul's life, and he refused to. And we would look at that and say, well, why not? He had every right, every right in his own perspective to, to terminate Saul for trying to do this in his life. But David had a way of acknowledging God that he knew what was right in the eyes of God, and he was able to filter out all of those things that would have been the wrong way to achieve his ultimate goal of being king of Israel. Here's David. He has every right to because he's already been anointed by the prophet to be the king of Israel. And he refuses to kill Saul because Saul is trying to kill him because David knew through the filtering of God's word it would be wrong to do this. So David waited for 14 years until Saul was killed in battle, that David then stepped forward and said that he would be king of Israel. And it's like, we look at this and we look at it in our lives and we say, how can this be? Why would it take 14 years? Well, David had a way of understanding the scripture. There's another story, and I'll close with this one. There's a story of Brian, not this Brian, but there's a story of Brian. He was an executive for an insurance company in Dallas, Texas. He was in line to become vice president of the company, and everyone knew that Brian was going to be vice president. But there was a little backroom politics went on, and he was bypassed for the position, and another, and another individual got the job. He went to his pastor in Dallas, and they prayed about what direction they should go. And Brian had every right to pursue legal action against the company and against this president who bypassed him. 
because everything was lined up, everything was the, all the, you know, things were in place, and Brian should have been vice president. But after he and the pastor prayed, they both felt that God was directing them not to do anything at this point. Brian decided to place it in God's hand and let God work through, lead him through this circumstance. The next day, Brian went to work. He walked into the new vice president's office and declared, let me be the first to congratulate you on your promotion. I just want you to know I'm going to be your best worker. Now, filtering things through God's word, God is in charge. God will work all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. There's a filtering effect of God's word upon our actions, upon our attitudes, and upon our perspectives. And Brian exemplifies this. So several weeks went by. You know, Brian should have been vice president, but he didn't allow what had happened to influence the way he was going to live his life. Several weeks went by, nothing happened, and, and most of the time that's the case. Nothing happens. David and Saul waited 14 years. But for Brian, in his case, we knew that God's judgment or God's deliverance will come. But it seldom comes when we think or how we think it should. But there is that trust that filters our life and filters how we respond. For Brian, he did not dwell on how he had been wronged. He chose to honor God and God's word. And one day, Brian got a call from a competitor, an extremely large international insurance company that had a branch office in Dallas. They wanted to meet with Brian. They were impressed and had heard great things from mutual clients, mutual customers in the area. So Brian refused the offer. I don't want to change jobs, he said. The other company was surprised because they knew the circumstance that has taken place. But for Brian, his concept of what God wanted him to do was to be a faithful worker where he was at. But the other company said, just meet us for lunch and we just want to talk to, we just want to, talk to you about what's, you know, what do we have to offer. Well, Brian explained, I don't want to change jobs. I have, a, I have a great stability factor here. I have a, a great salary package and I have benefits and I have very, I'm very much invested in this company. They asked him to go home and talk it over with his wife and, and that they wanted him to meet with them. Well, he met with them and um, <laughs> they said to him, please go home come up with a salary package that you would like and meet with us in a week. Well, he did not take the offer very seriously. And, and the night before the meeting, he told his wife, I really don't want to change jobs. Well, Brian decided that he would ask for a salary three times what he was making. And his thought was, they will laugh me out of the restaurant and they will end, that will end the discussion. Well, the next day when he went to lunch with this other company, after the food was ordered, the executive asked Brian if he had come up with a salary. I did. And he started to reach for his letter of intent. And the executive said, no, no, we want to show you what we want to pay you. 
And Brian picked up the letter, and it was four times his salary that he was making. (laughs) When Brian regained his composure, he said, Gentlemen, I'm a Christian. I want to take this offer home and so my wife and I can pray about it and we'll get back to you. As Brian and his wife both prayed, they felt that God had spoken to them the same message. Son, you've put your case in my hands and I have vindicated you. This is my promotion. I want you to take it. You know, and as I was thinking of this, I also thought of what Rhonda was saying about when she was nine years old that God spoke to her through that song, You'll Never Walk Alone. And as it happened yesterday at 9-11 in Shanksville, you'll never walk alone. As it happened yesterday on a radio station that played the song, You'll Never Walk Alone. There is a way that God has, God has a way of working in our lives. Sometimes with David and Saul, it took 14 years. As with Brian and this company in Dallas, he and his wife both felt that this was God's way of working things out. Brian took the job, and today is a top executive in this insurance company, and he lives in Virginia. But you see, as we expect the unexpected, as we allow God's word to filter our thoughts, it doesn't get caught up in anger and in bitterness. It gets, up in, it gets caught up in love and forgiveness. It doesn't get caught up in misunderstanding and frustration. That stuff gets filtered out by the word. And the word of God does not become polluted. It does not become polluted in any way. It, becomes, it, it is that which is eternal. And it is, it is pure. It is holy. It is righteous. It is godly. It, is the, it gives us a perspective of life that changes the way we th- see things. And in the most difficult times, there are, there are scriptures that come to our minds and to our hearts or songs that God would use. You will never walk alone. Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. God, I trust you that you will direct my path. Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. God, I don't understand, but I trust you. It filters out and gives our heart a place of security and peace. We walk on with hope in our heart, for you will never walk alone. We honor God. We honor his word in our life. And it, became, and it filters out those things that would destroy us and gives us hope. <laughs> Not the hope that is temporary. The hope of God is a certainty that we will never be alone.